When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in it, downtown, Peco Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Baby says you wanna go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, they. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 196 of the Talking Ferraris podcast and YouTube show. I am your host, Ben Fadden. Here today with a special guest, he's been on already a couple times, MLB.com's Jim Callis. Jim, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Oh, hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, so before we get started here, this episode is by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're located inside Petco Park uh, in Mission Gorge in Point Loma. There's, those are their two locations outside Petco. And you can visit GaglioneBros.com, their entire menu, great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. And if you're going to the game right against the Diamondbacks, they are there by the Bally Sports San Diego uh, pregame, postgame broadcast booth down the third baseline. Uh, so feel free to hit them up there. All right, with Jim, we're going to be talking about C.J. Abrams, James Wood, some MLB draft combine stuff. I was there last Friday. Jim was there as well. Uh, and so first off, let's just get started here with C.J. Abrams. He was called up yesterday uh, because Manny Machado obviously is hurt. The good news, though, is it, it looks like He's probably not going to go on the IL based on things we're hearing, and he, he's under, and he's uh, walking through the clubhouse without a. That's good news, but as of now, Abrams is up. He's playing shortstop, and so my question for Jim here, you know, the numbers in El Paso with AAA, they were good. He was sitting over 300. The power I thought was better, but it's El Paso, uh, not the major leagues. What do you? I guess my question is, do you think the Padres? 
we're ready to bring him up or this is more of, well, I know it's an emergency, obviously, but are they actually comfortable in him playing every day at the big league level or was this just forced on them? Like, do you think they needed another like month of at bats or, you know, preferably they wanted another month of at bats for him down there or it would have been a couple weeks and then they would have called him up anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> that would be a question. The Potters would be able to answer that a little bit better than me. But, like, you know, I think the thing with CJ, I mean, I do think this was, you know, dictated by Machado getting hurt. But, you know, the thing to remember about CJ is with the pandemic and then him getting hurt last year, I, I looked this up right before I came on. He only has 452 at-bats in the minor leagues. I mean, he, he doesn't really have a full season of at-bats in the minor leagues. So I think in a perfect world, you would have let him, you know, let him get some, you know, more at-bats in AAA. You know, that said, even though CJ's numbers weren't great in San Diego and the 60 at-bats or so he got, I didn't think he looked overmatched. I mean, he, he wasn't, you know, hit crushing home runs or, you know, hitting 300, but he also wasn't striking out, you know, excessively either. So I, I thought for a guy who had very little experience when they had him up before, he kind of held his own. You know, I mean, I, you, obviously the batting average you wish to be higher, you know, it wasn't like great numbers, but he didn't look to me that despite his, you know, I, I can't imagine if this would be interesting. It, like recent years, how many high school players have had less than 500, you know, even, I think in his case, it was less than 400 at bats when they first got called up to the big leagues. It, it can't be very many. Right. Do you, did you watch anything of him in uh, AAA when he was down there? Like, if did he make any adjustments or anything, or it was just purely the Padres just wanted him to get more at bats there? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, I didn't. I haven't watched a lot of him in El Paso just because we've been doing so much with the draft right now, right. and the Padres aren't one of the teams that I hone in on to do top thirty lists. But um, no, I mean, I, I think even though they had him up earlier, again, it was, you know, injuries dictating that situation. Um, you know, I think in a perfect world, if you're the Padres, you, you know, like to have success at the big league level and you like CJ to be able to spend most of the season in AAA and get at bats because he just hasn't played that much. And then maybe you call him up toward the end of the season. But I, but I think it's a, it's a testament to how talented CJ is. And even though he has very, very little experience, you know, he's been able to, you know, kind of hold his own and, and not look overmatched by big league pitching. And, and he's still, what, 21 years old, right? Right. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. Um, with uh, James Wood, he's down there in the minors, obviously, and he's another really young uh, prospect for the Padres. Can you give a, an update for the listeners and the audience of what's going on with him? Because I've looked at his game logs. I was looking at him yesterday and he was with like Elsinore. He was dealing with those injuries and then he got sent to the uh, rookie league, right? The Arizona Complex League for the Padres. And then got put back in Lake Elsinore, so I, I, I was kind of confused on what's happening with him. Yeah, and I don't know the specifics on that because again, I don't handle the Padres on day to day basis, and, and we've been in swamp with the draft. My guess is that was just a procedural move. Like, like there's sometimes you make procedural moves in the minor leagues. You know, again, without knowing, I don't know if the injuries were, were bothering him a little bit, and maybe they were going on a road trip. And they're like, you know what, instead of going on the road, let's send him to our, our complex in Peoria for a week and we can have the trainers look at him. He can play a few games in the ACL and then we'll send him back to low A. But I mean, even though he's only played, I think it's what, about 23 games this year. Uh, it's, it's been pretty encouraging. I mean, his, he's, he's making contact. I mean, and we've talked about him before, you know, he's a guy who, you know, from a tool standpoint, his tools were about as good as anybody's in last year's draft. He just had a rough spring at IMG Academy and guys really questioned the bat. And that's why he went in the second round where he did. I mean, he was an over slot guy. And, and I, th- I think I, I told you before, like I, I've talked to guys in the Pottery system who say there are people in the Pottery system who think 
the two best prospects in the system are, are number one, C.J. Abrams, and then there are guys who would take James Wood over everybody else. And that was even when Mackenzie Gore hadn't graduated from prospect status, guys liked him more than Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hass, or Luis Camposano. And, that, and that's based on a very small sample. But but that's the kind of tools we're talking about. And I think it's encouraging that you know his strikeout rate, I think, has been about 20%. He's actually got more walks and strikeouts. If James Wood makes contact at a rate where he's only striking out 20% of the time, then James Wood is probably going to be a star because the tools are so good. Like I, I think the Padres would gladly take you know 20% contact, you know 20% strikeout rate. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that because then I mean then he's probably going to go 30-30 for you in the big leagues. Right. Because I also noticed with him is that he has wheels too. It's not like he's this big guy that that's you know power is that's it. He can definitely do everything really. I've seen even his defense has improved, right? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think from a physical standpoint, he would be on the very short list of the most gifted players in last year's draft. I mean, you know, he's, he's six, seven, two forty. but you know, it's not just a, Hey, he moves well for his size. I mean, he does move well for size, but like he's a plus runner. It, you know, it's not just, Hey, he's this big hulking guy and he's got average speed, which moves well for size. I mean, he can run, he can throw him. He's got, you know, you know, huge power when he connects and he's connecting more consistently. So, I mean, I mean, you're looking at a guy who, you know, it, I mean, I think a part of it defend, depends on, on what else you have in the big leagues when he gets there. I mean, could he play center? Yeah. He might have a chance to play center. And if not, I mean, his arm definitely fits in right and he covers ground. So he's, he's exciting. I just, I, I hope, I know the Padres hope, but you know, let's I hope he stays healthy. So over the last three months in minor league season, he can get, you know, another 70 games worth of that bats and, and get going on a more consistent basis. But so far, so good. I mean, I, I think, you know, he wasn't a guy that you were necessarily going to look at the stats, at the lower levels, but I, I think he's hit better than you would have expected right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Now moving to Estre Ruiz, he was brought up from double A to triple A uh, recently. And he's really interesting. Obviously a lot of Padre fans are interested in some, even I know this is a big stretch and probably fans just being reactionary, but the center field position for the Padres this year hasn't been great offensively, like consistently. And some fans have wanted Estre Ruiz to be brought up right from double A. I think that he needs more at bats and stuff in triple A now uh, is September. Like, do you think that would be a realistic timeline to bring him up if he keeps performing well? Because right when he got to AAA, ever since he's got to AAA, rather, he's been hanging in there and playing pretty well, just kind of like how C.J. Abrams was playing pretty well before he was brought up because of uh, Manny's injury. Yeah, I mean, I, I just was popping up his stats here on my computer. I think he's hitting 422 in his, his couple weeks in AAA. Yeah, like, you know, it's hard to look at the AAA stats because – yeah, you know, El Paso is such a great place to hit. I mean, it's a real right. launching pad. I mean, I, I think the key that you're looking at with him probably is how much contact he's making. He's striking out about 25% of the time, which is probably a little bit high for wanting to call him up and then throw him in the big leagues. But, I mean, he can really run. Um, you know, he, he struggled offensively last year. He, he's doing better this year. He's, he's he's showing some more patience at the plate. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, like, I, I think he's a prospect. I don't think he's a top, top prospect, despite, you know, his overall numbers, he's in 360 right now with, with 13 homers and, and, you know, and he's, he's got plus plus speed, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that, you know, like you said, you know, the Potters like to see some more of him at AAA. He, he's barely played that level. And if he keeps producing consistently there, then, then you give him a ch shot sometime, you know, 
maybe August, maybe September, depending on, on what the team needs at that point. Yeah. And these props, right? We talk about Ruiz just talked about Abrams a little bit. And last time I had you on, we were talking about Gore and he's hit a little bit of a rough patch moving to kind of, I wasn't talking with you about this before we came on, but some other like smaller names. Is there someone in AAA or AA that you think would be able to impact this team at some point this season? I know that's a, a uh, general question, and not I'm not talking about like a specific position, but if you have anyone uh, in mind that sticks out to you, is there anyone? Uh, I mean, I don't know, like a big impact. I mean, you might have guys who could, who could, you know, fill in, you know, like a, a Rosario or Reese Near, right. or you maybe Cops comes up from Double A. I, I think we've talked about him a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I don't think they have a guy who you're gonna you're gonna have come in and he's gonna get regular at bats or or a high leverage roll out of the bullpen. It's more, you know, I, I think for the most part, you know, most of their guys who are are capable of making an impact. Are up. I mean, you have Camposano's in AAA. You know, I, if you know if they needed him, but I think that's more like if an opening was created in San Diego as opposed to him forcing his way into lineup. And and I like Camposano, but I still feel I still kind of in the back of my mind thinking like he's going to wind up contributing to Padres more as a piece of trade bait, honestly. Than you know, I, I think they've been. Yeah, I know Nola hasn't had a great year. Alfaro's been pretty good when he's been in there. Like. I, I still like if like like we always think AJ Preller's on the verge of making another trade, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the next time they make a trade, like like Luis Capasano might be if they're you know, might be the key prospect they give up. You know, not that that no reflection on him. I just I've always kind of sensed I think I feel like he's more trade bait than he's a guy who's going to be a fixture in the lineup. Because I think and I kind of agree with you on that because they just haven't given him that. Big oppor- consistent opportunity in the big leagues when they call him up. Like when they call him up earlier this year, I thought, okay, team every day. You know, I think when Voight was hurt, like do it, give him the chance. Uh, and he got like 12 or 14 ads during the time, and then he was sent right back down. No, you're right. I mean, he just has, you know, it's, it's an urban situation when they said, here, take the job and run with it. I mean, you know, in their defense, the two-year time, I mean, he's been up the last two years, and he's five for 49, so it's not like even in part-time, you know, play that he's torn it up, but it's also hard to to produce when you're not getting regular at-bats, and, you know, sometimes when you're trying to break in the big leagues and you feel like you're on a short leash, that makes it a little bit tougher, too, but yeah, I, I like I said, I just think he's a talented guy. He's, he's on our top 100 prospects list, but I've always sensed that he's, you know, the next time they make a big trade, Luis Camposano is going to be the key prospect going to the other team. Yeah. yeah. And we can move now to the uh, MLB Draft Combine that I've seen last Friday. You were at it. I was at it. MLB Network at it. Um, and all of the teams, the GMs, they were all there scouting. Well, tons of uh, scouts that I saw in the stands evaluating uh, who was that pitcher. Was it the switch pitcher? Um, yeah, all, Jerry, I noticed, St. Joe was there. Everybody was interested in seeing him. Yep. Yeah, because I noticed they all like came down. Uh, and had their radar guns, and then I looked up when he was done, and they weren't there anymore. So that, that's not my question, but what was the main thing that these GMs, the AJ Prellers of the world, were trying to get out of it? Was it the medicals? Um, obviously, um, there were unique cases where some guy, the pitcher, this was last night that they were pitching in front of scouts before half, and it was just an update to make sure it was healthy, the velocity, that stuff was there. But 
is it the medicals and like the mobility stuff and the interviews through the big things that the GMs were looking at? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'd say it's fair to say that the off-field stuff was more important than than the on-field stuff because, like you were suggesting, Ben, like the college guys who were there taking BP or throwing a bullpen, you've seen those guys over a long college season, and and the high school guys you've seen on the showcase circuit all last summer, and and again this spring. I mean, I'd say the guy who whose on-field performance mattered the most was Connor Prelip potential first round pick Alabama lefty who had Tommy John surgery last year and hadn't pitched. He'd thrown one bullpen on May 23rd, about 12 months after he had the surgery. So this was literally the second time teams got to see him throw. And I think that's going to be before the draft. So I, I think for him, it mattered. And, and he, he looked good in his three and a half minute bullpen. But the other stuff I think is, is what the teams really value even more. Cause again, they've gotten lots of on-field looks at these guys, but face-to-face interviews with a lot of players, Everybody I've talked to, teams and players, talks about how that's the highlight of the combine. They said it last year. They said it this year. It was they like the fact that you know, last year it was in North Carolina, and the on-field stuff was at the USA Baseball Training Site, which is a really nice site, but it wasn't set up so you could interview players there. You know, thirty team for thirty teams interview players there, so you would do the interviews back at the hotel, and you'd have to run back and forth. This year it was at Petco. The on-field stuff's obviously on the field, and then they just took the suites. Every team had a suite, so the players could go from suite to suite to make to all their appointments. They did the, um, the performance testing was on the concourse. They run 30 yard dashes and doing broad jumps and force plate testing, that type of stuff. And then they, they changed rules. And this was a positive change. I really think this year, MLB for years, the teams have hoped to get medical information on players before the draft. But the problem is if I'm a player, what's my incentive to give you that medical information? It can only be used to hurt me. It doesn't help me. I have no guarantee. And, and so last year, I think very few players did, did medicals. I think this year, I don't have a final count, but I think it was going to be like 170, 180 players who were there, like about 70% of the 250 or so guys were going to do physicals because they changed the rule. And now if you do a complete physical at the combine, if you're invited to the combine, you do a complete physical, then you're guaranteed at least – 75% of the slot for the pick where you're taken in the draft. Like a team can't say, Hey, Ben, like we don't like the way your elbow looks. We're, we're going to only give you, you know, a quarter of what the bonus slot is, or you can just go to college like now, unless it's some new injury that's cropped up, but if it's based on, you know, if, if nothing has changed, it protects a player. And so there is an incentive for guys to do, especially if you're a pitcher, you, you'd rather, you know, like the pitching stuff's very subjective. And when you do team physicals, the only person whose opinion matters is the team doctor. If, if if you fail, say, the Padres physical, you don't get to say, well, I'm going to go get a second opinion. It's like, no, the Padres are relying on their doctor. And they just say, hey, Ben, sorry, we don't like your shoulder. And But the thing is, so the pitching stuff is very subjective. And, and there's wear and tear, obviously, on any pitcher's arm. So for in the case of a pitcher, say, um, you know, there might be 20 teams that don't like the way a guy's shoulder looks. And ten teams were fine with it, and they'll. But and you're better off if I'm the pitcher getting drafted by a team that that likes the way your shoulder looks or is fine with it, rather than you get drafted and then teams like, oh wow, we don't like this, we're not going to sign you. Or like if you're a player and maybe you have like a minor back condition, and five teams are like, you know what, we can't take that guy. At least they know that now beforehand, and they aren't going to take you, and you don't get stuck by getting taken by a team that, that's not going to let you pass their physical. So I, I think that was a positive. And, you know, the on-field stuff, I mean, it's fun to watch, you know, guys swinging for the fences. And, you know, Jacob Mizorowski from Crowder Junior College threw over 100 miles an hour and averaged 99.8. Like, that stuff's fun. I, I think you kind of knew that about a lot of those guys. But, but I do think, I, I look at that stuff, it's, it's a way to promote the game, too. 
You know, these aren't players that a lot of America is familiar with, unless you're a super diehard, you know, draft fan. And it's, it's kind of, you know, edgy, you know, talking to players, they do a lot of interviews with the guys. You get a sense of their personality. Termar Johnson was great when they had him on the desk on, on, during the Friday workout. And so I, I look at it as non-field stuff's a way to promote the game. Um, and, and I think that's good for baseball as well. Yeah. And more about the interviews in those suites and all that, like, Oh, to your knowledge, they had players like scheduled throughout the day and Correct. pretty much just getting to know them and uh, just answer questions that a typical player prospect, you know, would have to answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the sessions were 25 or 30 minutes long. Now you, I mean, you obviously, you could talk to players after you, you can't work out players anymore after the combine. Right. You know, again, tied to the physicals. They don't want guys getting hurt after doing a physical at the combine. But you could talk to players afterward. You could do Zooms. You could theoretically fly to meet with them, whatever you want, or bring them in to, to your place and, and meet with them. You can still do that. But it, it's it's a way, like like most of your area scouts will talk to players, especially if it's a high-priority target for the team. They'll talk to the players. But, like, you know, if you're A.J. Preller, and A.J., you know, obviously loves scouting, A.J. can't go around and do home visits with, like, 30 players. Right. You know, all over the place because he's got other stuff going on too. And like, it's a way for a, a bunch of people in your organization to meet the guy where maybe the area guy met him or maybe the cross checkers met him. This way, you can have a number of people in your organization meet the guy. Um, and, and everybody, like, the players love it, the teams love it. And like you said, yeah, you're not, I mean, I think that occasionally, like, I don't think it, it, there's tough questions necessarily being asked where you're grilling the guy. You know, it's not like the NFL combine where you're, you know, having the quarterback get up on the whiteboard and diagram a play and what you read and, and all that, or you're throwing a play at him and trying to see how well he reacts under pressure. I don't think there's so much of that. It's, it's more, I think, for both sides to kind of get a feel for each other. And like I said, I mean, I've talked to a number of players who went to the combine last year who were there this year. I've talked to a number of teams who, you know, have participated in the process, and everybody really, really likes interviews. I, I would say the interviews are probably the best part of the combine for most people. Mm-hmm. Now, with the Padres, they have, I think, the 15th pick in the first from this year. Um, we know in the past, A.J. Preller has been big on up-the-middle guys, the versatility, because he believes that they're either going to stick there or they can go move other spots. And I like that philosophy as well. Um, do you think he's focused on pitching in the first round or more just continuing to be at the, uh, up the middle? I think it's really a case of best player available. And it's, it's a weird year because so many of the best pitching prospects have gotten hurt. Um, I'm not saying they wouldn't take a pitcher. Like like you hear them mention with Dylan Lesko a decent amount. I mean, I'll point out we're still a month before the draft and nobody really knows who's who's taking it. But you hear them mention with Dylan Lesko, who would have probably been the first pitcher taken in the draft. He's a high school kid. But he had Tommy John surgery this spring. He blew out. Um, but he was he, he, healthy. He would have been the first pitcher, I think, taken college or high school. You know, they haven't been afraid to make moves like that. I know they've worked out like a number of the high school shortstops, whether it's Justin Crawford, who's who's Carl's son, or Jet Williams or Cole Young, you know, which kind of fits what you were saying, Ben. It doesn't mean they're going to take one of those guys, but I feel like they've worked out every high school shortstop who could go with that pick. They've worked them out. Um, I think you just, when you're picking 15, you just got to let the draft come to you. Like, I, right. I think there's probably only going to be my over-under would be maybe two pitchers who get taken before them just because of the way this draft is. There's some great high school hitters at the top, and there's some really good depth college, excuse me, position player-wise. But, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's weird. Like we're still a month out and I just don't, I think, I don't even think a lot of teams have had their meetings or set their boards or really kind of zeroed in on who they're picking yet. So you just kind of hear a bunch of different rumors, but if I had to guess, I, I might go high school shortstops just cause you know, that kind of fits what they've done in the past. And I know they've worked out a lot of those guys, but, but it's also possible that, that maybe the high school shortstops they like the most are gone before they pick. So it, it's still kind of early. What about Kumar Rocker? He's obviously fascinating. The Mets picked him last year, and they didn't like what they saw with the uh, medicals, I believe. Um, correct. Now he's pitching in pro ball. Uh, are the Padres, I saw, I think it was in, in the Athletic, it was them and, like, the Angels that have been really looking at him. Where well, would he even, like, go? Here's the thing, and I'm not disparaging anybody else's mock. Nobody knows where Kumar Rocker is going to go right now. All 30 teams are watching him. It's not just two teams on him. The, the, the right. question is, like like you just said, Ben. So last year he went 10th overall in the draft, had a great career at Vanderbilt. Mets agreed to a $6 million bonus. Does the physical. Mets don't like it. The Mets offered him $0. They had to make him an offer so they could get the 11th pick in this year's draft as compensation. But they didn't want to sign him. So they literally offered him $0. So there's something going on there. But we don't know what it is. And, and I just think it's hard – to say this team's on him, like, it's funny. I, I got asked a bunch in, in San Diego. I got asked a bunch before I got to San Diego. I've asked a bunch of people, same thing, like, what's going to happen with Rocker? And I, I think until teams get some sense of what they're dealing with medically, it's, it's, it's impossible to say. Like, teams are scouting him. He's pitched three times in any ball. I think he's pitched 10 or 11 innings and three starts. It's controlled outings. Stuff's look good. He's hit the upper 90s. The sliders look pretty good. You might suspect because he hadn't pitched in a year, you know, the command and control have been slightly rusty at times. It's not really much in the way of competition, so it's hard to read a lot into it, except, you know, this, this stuff looks good. But, as you know, if you were just drafting purely on the stuff, yes, he could go in the middle of the first round. But considering that a team was thrilled to get him, was willing to pay him $6 million and walked away, I don't think anybody would draft him without knowing what you're dealing with physically, you're going to have to see some kind of medical report. Like you aren't going to just take the guy and then be like, Oh, we'll take our chances and see what the medical looks like. Like he is throwing well, that's a positive, but, and I've asked people and people have asked me, I don't think anybody has any sense of how much information they're going to get. And when that will be, I, I know I've kind of taken the easy way out and I've just said, until people see his medical information, I haven't projected him in the first round. Because I, I just don't know how you can anywhere, – anywhere you put him in a mock draft is 100% a guess because nobody knows what they're dealing with. Right. And you mentioned the medicals. Like, for him, and you talked about this earlier, doing the medicals, that could end up just being a real negative towards him. Well, he didn't but, do a medical. He didn't go to the combine. So he right. Didn't no, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I understand that. But I'm saying if he ever did, then that wouldn't be great. For him, it could well, not well, the be thing is, he, he won't him. he won't do something. I, he won't do a medical exam before the draft. But like whoever drafts okay. him will do a post draft medical. Well, which right. they'll do. They'll do a team will do anyway, even if a guy did a medical to combine in case of the cropped up. But like you would want to have like like copies of the medical exam the Mets did to know what the Mets didn't like, or if he's had a med maybe he did a medical exam on his own this this spring have copies of that. I mean, I, I would suspect they probably have done some sort of medical exam this spring because you want to know what you're dealing with. And if I were a team, I'd be like, I need to see some medical records because I got to know what we're dealing with. Um, and, and what I would just, say to that is, yeah. what I would say to that is, wouldn't it be good for him to, you know, present that to teams if it is positive so that 
he could be in that first round? Because what you're saying, yeah. if the medicals yeah. are good, then he would be in the first round. Yeah, you would think. I mean, and, and like, again, I'm not a doctor. And, and, and like, nobody really knows. I mean, the Mets, Mets haven't really talked about at all about what, what happened. So, like, teams don't really know. But, like, I would just – I would be surprised – if the Mets would totally have walked away from $6 million deal, they thought they were getting a steal getting Kumar Rocker at 10 if they didn't see something. So I, I would think that there's got to be something that's at least subject to interpretation in the medicals. Um, but like I said, it's just I don't know how you could take him without seeing some sort of medical report to have an idea of what you're dealing with. And like to boot, like it would behoove him as well. I don't think you'd want a situation where – he gets drafted. Like, again, I don't know how you draft him without knowing what the medical reports are, but like he gets drafted and the team doesn't really know what it's dealing with. And they do a fiscal and they're like, well, we don't like this either. And we're walking away. So um, I, I would suspect some medical reports of some sort will be released to teams. I just don't, nobody seems to know when that will be or how detailed they'll be. Cause like, even if he throws 97, 99 miles an hour, you know, in these three or four starts and he does that six or seven times, Okay, that's good. I mean, obviously, that's encouraging. I still want to know why the Mets walked away. So right. he's just—that's just a hard situation to figure out because it's all just speculating about what his health is. And I mean, yeah, he looks good on the mound right now, but but how do you really know? Like, like I, I would like to know what the Mets like. If I'm if I'm going to pay him millions of dollars, I have to know what the Mets saw that scared them off. Like, I'm, I'm not just drafting him in the middle of the first round and saying, okay, we're going to give him, you know, three, $4 million and we'll just take our chances. It, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I agree. It, it's fascinating to me. Um, and the draft's coming up next month. So we'll be uh, waiting for that. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining the show. Uh, this has been episode 186 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show presented by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries for Ben Fadden, Jim Callis. See everyone later. Hope you guys enjoy watching the Padres tonight.